and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the editor-in-chief of Anime Feminist, and I'm joined here today by Caitlin, D, Peter, and Vry. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I am an editor and writer for Anime Feminist, uh, as well as having my own blog, I Have a Heroin Problem, heroin with an E, and I am a uh, regular contributor reviewing anime for The Daily Dot. Hi, I'm Dee. I'm the managing editor at Anime Feminist. I also run the anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. I'm Peter. I'm an associate feature editor at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. Hey, uh, I'm Vry. I'm an editor and contributor for Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at WriterVry. Uh, if you checked my pinned thread, there's a bunch of places across the internet I freelance, or you can find the other podcast I am on at TrashPod. And there's a bumper crop of us here today because we're answering reader questions that we received this week on Twitter. Just asking some questions about us, behind the scenes, how NFM works. We thought it'd be a nice way to kind of finish off the year. So we're just going to jump right into these. Um, we have, first of all, a question from Lum Ramayasha um, asking, <laughs> I'm going to struggle with some of these names, I can tell you now. Um, Chatty AF watch along or retrospective of Pokemon when? <laughs> and <laughs> someone's been following Dee, I think my this Twitter. Is your moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, this I, I know this this follower. Um, they they follow my personal account too, where I have been regaling people with my my uh, following along of the Twitch Pokéthon they've been doing. Um, so I don't think we will be doing a watch along of Pokemon. It is over a thousand episodes long. That's a bit much. <laughs> As much as we would love to, we can stress. <laughs> That's, it's a lot. Um, it's so I think many. Start a separate a, podcast for Pokemon I mean, watch-alongs. twist my arm <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, no, I, I think doing some kind of a retrospective would be really fun. Um, I don't know if we'd want to split it up like we're trying to do the Sailor Moon ones or if we just want to do one. Um, but it would be, I mean, obviously I'd need to find some other folks who... Uh, feel passionately enough about it but i actually do think there's probably enough there for us to at least fill an hour so um i'm not i'm not opposed to the idea (laughs) there will be articles i can promise you there will be articles there's one in the can (laughs) and there will probably be more on the way it's true it's a good article i mean i i do enjoy the fact that that d and i have slowly pushed team rocket into like the the, the general face of team articles and posts. I have it in writing. Because I have, Amelia, I kept the receipt. I have it in writing that, that you said <laughs> Team Rocket are absolutely the kind of ambassadors we want here at Anifem. So we do I, have permission I from my I stand by that. <laughs> I stand by that. That wasn't a statement I made in crowdfunding Euphoria. Mm-hmm. That wasn't it. It, it. I completely stand by it. And yeah, I'd be very happy to have them representing us. But a thousand episodes is a lot. And our criteria for watch-alongs, we do try to look for um, series that are like 24, 26 episodes long um, so that we can do four episodes. And getting a guest in for four kind of consecutive recording sessions is quite an ask already. Yeah. Um, so for longer uh, for longer uh, series, we do tend to do retrospectives where it's just a one-off, where we talk about the whole series in one episode um, or we kind of keep it just to the team. That happened with Fushigi Yugi, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what, what... Have you got a guess for Sailor Moon? Yeah, but like Anne, Anne's whole thing is being a Sailor Moon fan. Right, so it's exactly. very easy for her to, 
to twist our arms. Yeah. And, right. and there's only going to be five of those because we're just doing one per season. So right. it's not. So when we get to the longer series, we do kind of get more flexible with it. So yeah, maybe a Pokemon retrospective at some point, but it's not in the immediate pipeline. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on, uh, Kuro Woof has asked, do you have different viewing habits for different shows? So are there shows you would watch after work with a drink in hand versus watching carefully early in the day and taking Absolutely. notes? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this yes. is a definite yes, isn't um, it? I mean, I, I would say since um, anime is not a relaxing activity for me most of the time anymore, because I'm sort of, no matter what I'm watching, I'm kind of watching with the thought of, is this going to be something I can turn into an article and I'm kind of watching actively? Um, although there are a couple of series where I feel like I can sort of safely watch without it really, like, I don't feel like I really need to write an article about Toradora um, or A Place Further Than the Universe. And those series series are so positive that, like, they are probably the only ones that I can really relax feel relaxed while watching currently um and there are also mm-hmm. series that i watch with my fiance every season um and the way i watch those series is different from the series that i watch on my own to write about um so yeah no definitely like there's some fairly big differences between different series i watch and there are some shows that are just like comfort food right i mean i certainly I'll put on like long running shonen when I'm washing up or cooking and things like that. And I can just kind of have that running in the background. And it's it's no big deal if I'm not paying too much attention to it because it takes so long to kind of complete every step that happens in a shonen fight, you know. So that totally works for me, especially something like Naruto, which I've seen through all the way. So it's, you know, going back to old favorite kind of arcs can be really useful for kind of getting housework done. Nozaki-kun is uh, anime comfort food for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Good choice. Yeah, I, I actually only take physical notes when I'm about to either do a premiere on a show or I'm writing up a commission that somebody has asked me to do. But I, I also tend to watch things with an eye toward, is there hashtag content here? <laughs> um, and, and the exceptions are definitely tend to be when I'm watching things with my wife, either when she's showing me something older that she likes or we've been watching my love story recently, which is good and healing oh, and so nice. Good. Peter, you watch everything every season. Are you always plugged in? You've been quiet too. Are you just always like plugged in for the for that hashtag content, or do you have shows that you can kind of kind of chill during too? Um, I do think I, especially since uh, working for both Crunchyroll and NFM, I kind of uh, maybe actually even watch more anime than I need to because I start watching slice of life shows as kind of like palate cleansers. So I don't know if I'd watch as many SOL <laughs> as if I was spending so much time thinking about other anime and I needed to like maybe watch something in between to just kind of stop thinking about the first thing and start thinking about the next thing. So yeah, I definitely watch, like, I really liked Lightback Camp uh, earlier on this year because it was very good and I could just watch it without any critical thought whatsoever. (laughs) I think important context here is that when you write for Crunchyroll, you need to write about the most popular shows for the most part, right? So yeah. When you talk about not having to think about it, it's because you're probably not going to be required to write multiple articles about it. Uh, yeah, and those I even I mean, like there's st- the stuff that I'm watching for maybe anime feminist or for just my own enjoyment. Uh, often I'm, I'm thinking about in different ways. So like I'm I'm thinking critically about 
some series and I guess promotionally about other series, like what are good moments to maybe share or like what could I turn into a a, a meme or a joke, uh, that kind of stuff too, <laughs> especially with like hashtag yeah, content, Boruto and Black Clover. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of how I watch those shows. Right. Just trying to look for good <laughs> Never stop memeing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, right. Like you're not going to watch Ulysses expecting to write about it for Annie Femme. Uh, but um, well, unless, unless it's a tech down article, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I watch it. Expe- like, I mean, I I watch it f- mostly for Crunchyroll, but um, during our midseason and postseason, I tend to uh, bring a lot of the um, events that happen over the course of the show to the discussion. <laughs> so, have there been any articles that anyone here has wanted to write for the site that haven't worked out for whatever reason? Oh God, so many. I was thinking about this one. There is one. It's not writing, but we've we've talked about wanting to do translations. And there was one where we got really close. That was this Japanese article someone had written about banana fish and ash as like a relatable, you know, figure as a rape survivor and how that connected to Me Too and and us too. Um, and the we we actually uh, Chiaki contacted the original writer who was who was in favor of it, but unfortunately we weren't able to secure permission from the original site where it was published, um. so that fell through, and that really bummed me out. All the time, there have been I have a whole list of article ideas, um, and there will be some of them I just can't sort of I sort of wrap my head around like exactly what I want to write. Like I really want to write about the manga All My Darling Daughters. Um, I think it's an incredible series. I think our readers would get a lot out of it because it, it does have a specifically feminist point of view. But every time I write about it, I just end up kind of gushing <laughs> instead of writing something like, you know, thoughtful and critical. Um, there have been times where it's like, well, I'm going to watch this uh, or series and then I just sort of burn out on watching it. Like I was going to write an article sort of talking about common plot threads in Cabaneri of the Iron Fortress and Guilty Crown um, and sort of talk about sort of how those two shows from the same creators from the same uh, creative teams sort of uh, represent women uh, commonly like there's a very Whedon-esque but I just burned out on watching Guilty Crown um, it's a really bad <laughs> That's show fair. Um, yeah <laughs> Occupa- yeah, occupational hazard, I think, when you watch stuff for this kind of purpose. And there are times where I just lose momentum on an article or like I just never get around to starting it because I work a hard, my day job is hard and takes a lot out of me. And I don't always have the energy to uh, start working on an article before that sort of time's up. <laughs> it's no longer fresh enough in my head hits. Yeah. And yeah, it'll remain perfect in your head forever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, when you say that, I do definitely, I never think of articles as cancelled, because I could finish them sometime, even though half the time I, I won't. I can finish them um, anytime yeah. I want to. You just, you just, you uh-huh. just send them to the farm, um, like your parents sent your <laughs> right. childhood they can pet. Control. <laughs> you call your They're so happy there. The farm. Yes. <laughs> I, I do have one that I have, like, research still bookmarked, and it's on the back burner about, like, kill a kill in the fashion world but like part of me every time is like do i want to deal with kill a kill fandom again i don't think i do (laughs) yeah i don't think you do (laughs) like i wrote a huge one on super lovers back in the day this was like something i had planned for my personal blog before i started anifem and it was all about like not just super lovers being awful because it is but also about how crunchyroll handled it 
because they actually didn't have an age gate in place until like episode nine, which is actually where the parental guardian kisses his like, I don't know, 12 year old charge or whatever. <laughs> and it was only at that point that Crunchyroll was like, oh, I guess we need to put an age gate on this. And it was almost like a manga didn't exist that told you exactly where the show was going. Um, so I thought I thought that was quite interesting how it was clearly like kind of responsive rather than preemptive and I wanted to write about that and I wrote this whole thing but I think it just turned into me kind of I don't know providing evidence for how awful like super <laughs> lovers is with screenshots and it just got way too complicated which is absolutely my typical pattern I've got so many ideas that started off as something quite simple and turned into this like monstrosity before I could even finish it. And like, thank goodness, one of you, I think it was Dee and Fry, you went through the drafts and just like cleared them out. And I'm so grateful for that because it's just like drawn a line under them for me. Yeah, you can thank my literal OCD that looks at <laughs> articles that are unfinished and laying there and just think, I can't, it needs to be a clean slate. I can't look at it like this. Though funnily enough, I reactivated my Evernote yesterday and apparently the last time I used it was in 2016 and the first draft of that article is still there. So it's preserved just, just forever. Just staring at you. <laughs> Send it to the farm, Amelia. It's never, Send it to the farm. It's go, it needs to go to the farm. Yes. No one cares about super lovers um, anymore. No, nobody nobody God. should ever have cared about super lovers in the first place, myself included <laughs> probably. But... <laughs> Moving on. So who outside of Anafem regulars, because we do have a lot of authors that we stan writing for us. I think we're very fortunate in that. Um, so, I mean, a lot of a lot of you guys are people that I was originally a fan of your work as, as like bloggers. And so I invited you to, to Anafem. And I think we now have a network of writers where we're in that position where we enjoy their work on their individual spaces and they now have content on Anafem which I absolutely love. So apart from these regulars, who do you seek out for insight, criticism, or analysis of anime from a critical perspective? So for example, are there academics you trust or are there academics you don't trust? I am very fortunate to have um, some very good friends who I can sort of text and talk, you know, just talk things out with uh, who, write, who write for mm -hmm. other publications. Like, um, when I'm watching a Netflix anime, usually to review for the Daily Dot, um, I'm friends with most of the people who are on This Week in Anime. Um, and so, and since I know they tend to watch a lot of the Netflix anime, a lot of times I'll DM them like, can you believe how, like, what is going on in Hero Mask? Like, this show is awful. And we'll like, you know, talk about some of the ridiculous things, um, you know, or like, Rose Bridges uh, was a close friend of mine before she wrote for Annie Femme and bef or before she wrote for ANN and before Annie Femme was a thing. Um, we made friends through Heroin Problem. Um, and so like, you know, I'll, she's getting her PhD in musicology, focusing on film music, especially anime music. Um, she literally wrote the book on cowboy bebop music. So if I have anything related to music, I'll talk to her. We've done a couple of panels together about female uh, creatives. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that um, I've managed to befriend a lot of people who um, are able to, who, who have a lot of critical insight that they are, uh, that they publish on the internet. Yeah, I, I'm always kind of bummed that academic 
writing isn't is by design not very it's super inaccessible and i hate it uh, sorry continue i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go off on a rant about how much i hate academic writing on this on this episode um but i did have to at least get that little burst in there (laughs) continue right sorry there's the um the the transformative works archive has that i think their journal is publicly accessible which is nice but yeah i think the last time i read an academic text on on specifically anime fandom was this collection of essays about uh the book was literally just called boys love manga which was i mean there was one pretty good article in there about the yaoi rondo of the 90s but otherwise eh, it's a lot of a lot of academic circles working which is what a lot of academia is but um fortunately my wife dorothy is very smart she has an ma in rhetoric and is scary fucking smart so i i get a lot of brain exercise that way but um yeah i don't know i nothing specific comes to mind i am always really excited when i see people doing interesting critical analysis and doing the links i I feel like i get to run across that more on the regular than a lot of people on the team yeah i don't have a ton of time to read stuff outside of um the anti-fem pieces that that come past me um but uh it's uh kind of the same some of the same folks that uh Caitlin was talking about. Um, I really enjoy that this week in animes. I know that's not exactly academic because it's a very like relaxed conversation, but they tend to bring up good points, and I like the writers on that. Um, I'm really fond of. Um, I, I'm, I might butcher this. Atelier Emily, uh, AJ Rand on oh, or yeah. AJ the Fourth on Twitter. Yeah. Um, she does the For Me in Full Bloom blog, and uh, she did a really really good series on Review Starlight recently. Oh, yeah, her good. stuff tends to be just, like, really well done, and I don't think she's ever actually written for us, and I'd love to get her sometime, so if she's listening. <laughs> um, she actually does a, a few series, doesn't she? Like, she she did a series on, like, the, I can't remember what seri- what show it was, but she did, like, four posts on the language of flowers, or four posts on the language of art used, and that kind of thing. Like, I think her background must be in some kind of art analysis. Um, so I think that's just kind a of visual art. of hers. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. She's so I literally, good. I know I'm going to see an article by her if there's, like, flowers even in the opening or ending. She did one for Darling of the <laughs> yeah. Franks as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, she's, she's, she's actually She's done this a writer. few times, right? Really? I had no idea. <laughs> she covers League of Legends, Overwatch, a couple other sports. Uh, she used to write for Crunchyroll, but uh, now she is, like, a, a big shot in esports. So um, I honestly don't even know where she finds time to write about anime anymore, but she, I guess she sees it, good anime, and sometimes has to that's what the blog's for yeah, it seems like she always finds one per yeah. season she did a good series on um, Orange as well when Orange was coming out where oh, she yeah. would write a weekly article about the episode and then write a letter to her past self at the end wow um, yeah her blog is well worth reading I've always enjoyed it when um, I visited Natasha shows up and um, fairly often her, her articles are yeah. always mm-hmm. interesting and she writes on shibirelu.org. Yeah, yeah, we've had her. Okay. We've had her on some podcasts, but I don't think she's ever actually. I don't think she's written a piece for us. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd, no. I'd love to commission stuff. Yeah, for her too, I've, sure. I've, I think we, we we approached her about one or two things that Crunchyroll then poached well, her for. She's she's busy. She's got she's got a daytime day job, and she work like writes regularly for she a couple indeed. of different sites. So yeah, uh, I'd love to have Jax write for us again. They did that Karikano piece, and they were on the uh, Michiko and Hachin watch along, and. and it was it's good all good extremely oh yeah good. that was a great podcast and also on the and also on the, the uh, podcast about learning japanese as women of color oh yeah jacks was on that as well yeah Jax is great Jax works for noir cesar which is a company that creates uh, manga for like starring black people basically like which which manga traditionally isn't amazing at 
Um, so it's like black led stories, black characters everywhere. So I think, yeah, the work that Noir are doing is doing is really incredible. I think I want to name check Rachel Thorne here because Rachel's analysis of manga is just second to none. Rachel has been in the uh, the industry for an extremely long time. I read one of her articles that she wrote in the Shoujo Comics uh, edition of the, no, the Shoujo Manga edition of the Comics Journal. That's it, way back in like 2002 or something. Um, and it completely shaped my view of the industry. And now I feel really fortunate to have that contact with her one-on-one -on -one and be able to ask questions. But she's so knowledgeable about the industry. She lectures uh, on manga at a university in Kyoto. And her, she occasionally puts up these threads on Twitter that are just so insightful and just absolutely invaluable. Yeah, and she's uh, translating the Poe clan right now, which I want so bad. Give yeah, it to she's me. like the right. Hagio she's been, translator. So. Yeah, she, she was right, able to exactly. contact Hagio and like ask her to redraw a panel that was um, that has aged poorly, which is right. incredible. Like, I think a lot of translators, for a, a lot of even, like, translators working directly in the industry, that is, like, huge. She's yeah. she's done yeah. so much. Yeah, those tweet threads, too, those could easily be articles, or they were probably just come <laughs> off of her lectures, and each time yeah. she's just like, oh, just some random thoughts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've tried to get her back on the podcast, like, twice, and she's always like, oh, I don't know if I know enough about it. Oh, my God. Like, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And she has, she tends to try to defer to people that she feels are underrepresented in the space, which I, I respect so much. Um, and she's absolutely fantastic. And she's always trying to signal boost the voices of others. She's a huge supporter of Anafem. But it, like, if we're talking out insight and criticism and analysis you trust, like 100% for manga, Rachel Thorne. Um, other than that, I just want to give a shout out to the, the, um, kind of sakaga discussions that happen like those conversations can get a bit fractious online but there is more information about the behind the scenes of animation than i've ever known to exist and i really appreciate the people that are out there and writing this stuff so like this stuff like it's it's a really broad and growing field at this point but i really appreciate that that information is there now i think sakaga blog have done a huge amount to try and raise this profile but also you have like the ann writers have been talking more about behind the scenes than i remember happening kind of 10 years ago 15 years ago and you have um people you know even those working in the industry kind of giving what information they can but i mean anime is such a black box if you're in the industry you're kind of entrusted with a lot of confidential information that you can't share because it could put your commercial relationships at risk so they share what they can, and I just appreciate that information is there in whatever quantities at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely, Kim Morrissey's articles are always worth reading. Oh, like, absolutely. She gets great mm -hmm. industry info. Yeah, and she's she's a correspondent for ANN now, but even before that, she had some incredible analysis on her blog for sure. Yeah, it seems like most people who are writing professionally, you can always track them back to a blog that has even more interesting stuff on it as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, well, that actually leads us nicely to our next can question. I, uh, so can I give my? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I want to give mine and my answer to the question. If that's okay. If we well, you shouldn't have segued so. Much. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, lost it. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go on. Um, I do want to say I'm in. I'm kind of a similar situation to D in that I'm doing a lot of editing on Crunchyroll all the time. So pretty much I just read every single article that comes out on our features team. Um, but I did want to. This is going to sound so promoting. I do want to talk about. Uh, I think Verve Blog is really great. Really great. This sounds so like I'm just selling my own company stuff. It's run by Merit, 
uh, and she's been doing a really awesome job. And it's like multimedia, but they've been doing a lot of um, anime stuff too. Like there's this really article from uh, Gretchen about uh, the portrayal of suffering in Evangelion. So I think that will hopefully turn into a pretty cool source for some more um, analysis type material than um, yeah. we usually get on Country Roll. Yeah. It's been really impressive. Merit, like, Merit's I, been killing it, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And My <laughs> thought was I don't have really time to look at all the stuff that's coming up on Verve Blog, but then I ended up reading half their articles because I think they kind of gave Merit free reign and she's really like out for that kind of material. Yeah, Ver- that blog is great, and I don't just say that because uh, I... Yeah. Right over there. <laughs> I, I pitched for them, and she, and she told me that it's clo- pitches are closed until the new year, and I'm just yeah, ah, yeah. I want to I want to submit for that. And that's an endorsement in itself, right? Because like anyone on this team, like you guys wouldn't want to pitch somewhere that you didn't feel was kind of in line with your values and so on. So I see that as a pretty strong endorsement. Whenever I see any of you pitching to an outlet, yeah, for sure. And if it makes you two feel better, I pitched to Vert Blog and was also tonight by Merit. So, cool <laughs> <laughs> idea is really no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It again I, when, when it opens back up. Even I. So. <laughs> even you. So I'm going to go back to your wonderful segue now, which is no longer quite <laughs> as good. Um, which was to Doctor Who Done It on Twitter, who is Assad, a contributor of ours. Um, the contributors and the Anafem staff write such brilliant and insightful pieces. So I was wondering if you, as writers and editors, think an MA or MFA in creative writing is worth the time and money to pursue a career in anime writing or any kind of nonfiction writing career. So before anything, I just want to promote uh, an episode that we did on Chatty AF on pretty much this subject where we talked about freelancing in anime. And I think in that in that episode, we basically stress that anyone can become a freelance writer. It is not something that there are kind of qualification barriers or anything like that. Editors want pitches. So as long as you can pitch something kind of strong um, and you can do the work reliably, then you can become a writer. Now, as to whether or not an MA or an MFA is of value in getting you to a point where you feel like you can put together strong material, um, does anyone else have strong opinions on this? Well, uh- I say no, you do. <laughs> I have a question. Am I the, um, correct me if this assumption is wrong. Am I the only person on the team with an MA or an MFA? Yep. Yeah. Or yeah. at least on the, on this call. I guess I shouldn't speak for the entire team. Uh, yeah, I've only got okay. a Okay, well, I feel like that yeah. answers the question because y'all are just as good a writer as <laughs> I am. Um, so. I do think, I think Lauren has an MA in journalism. Journalism, yeah. Um, yeah, but, which I, yeah. <laughs> that's maybe slightly different. Um, I here's kind of my stance on it having gotten one um I don't regret it I don't think it was worth it it was very very expensive and I will be drowning in that debt uh forever um but if you can get into a program that is um where they'll either pay your way or most of your way um I would say do it because the one thing that it really does is it kind of encourages slash forces you to just eat sleep and breathe writing and editing for two to three years um, and I think that I think that that sense of like structure and focus can be really helpful um, and can kind of like maybe force you out of your comfort zone into reading things you wouldn't necessarily or, you know, learning about different fields of criticism that you wouldn't necessarily just like track down on your own. Um, that having been said with the Internet and with libraries, um, if you do have the focus and you don't want to be mired in debt, I think it's perfectly possible to um, essentially um give yourself that same sort of experience and that's really what it comes down to is just it's just experience it's just you know um 
learning about learning about it and thinking about it and then practice 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 um which you don't have to do with a degree so yeah it's not essential yeah and it, it, don't bury yourself in debt <laughs> folks just don't don't do it don't do it and stepping back a little i mean we mentioned earlier the value of blogs i think we can't emphasize yeah. that enough yeah. in this space like if you if you want to become a, a writer in anime or in any other kind of geek space or media space like having a blog that you update regularly with quality content that is invaluable and lauren will tell you too she's got an ma in journalism but a lot of the opportunities that she's ended up with have been as a result of her blogging regularly reporting regularly on this space whether she was being kind of paid for it or not now you should be paid for your work as often as you can be but creating your own content on your own space with full creative control and then promoting it is absolutely a recognized avenue to paid work well, I mean, we were talking earlier about how pretty much any writer that you find on any of the official sites like ANN or Crunchyroll, you can a lot of them you can trace back to a blog that's been around for years, and like that was mm-hmm. that was functionally their resumes. Um, I watched a lot of them like over the the five odd years I've been I've been kind of in the the anti Twitter fandom. I've watched a lot of them ease into those positions, and it's been very exciting and fun. Yeah. yeah some some mm-hmm. all of our writers used to be just former anime bloggers or still mm-hmm. anime bloggers. You mean Crunchyroll when you on say Crunchyroll? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Now, I mean now at least half. And uh, some of our writers literally never even wrote before Crunchyroll in in like a blog or article format. They just wrote very intelligent things on Twitter, actually. And then we yeah. asked if they would be interested in writing an article. It did very well. And they just like slowly got incorporated into the team that way too. So kind of any medium of writing, if you do it a lot and write insightful things or entertaining things, doesn't even need to be smart. It can be funny too. can mm-hmm. get you in the door. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's like, I mean, entertainment, right? Like uh, I don't want to diss Cracked or anything. Some of our writers are from Cracked. They didn't necessarily, they, they're not writing analysis at least all the time. I mean, there's a bit of analysis and humor as well, but they're like focusing on just making people laugh or pointing out funny things, right? And it's really entertaining to read. I do want to speak a little bit about like, not necessarily getting an MA, but like the value of education. Um, The way I sort of think of it is there are um, three, sort of three different dimensions to it. Like there's writing as a craft, there is uh, sort of the knowledge base and uh, But, like, writing as a craft, like, I never really formally studied. I took one writing course in college, and I took AP classes um, in high school. But, like, other than that, it is not something that I've studied. It's just sort of something that, a skill that I've developed. Knowledge base. um, Analytical analytical skills. skills, Thank you. Like, analytical skills. Like, that's sort of hand in hand. That's sort of something that I developed just through doing it and like checking out books out of the library knowledge base um some of it does come from college i took a couple of cultural studies courses um and i think that's kind of the hardest to degree to acquire just off the cuff because it's sort of hard to know where to start um when you're looking like looking at critical theory and stuff so like those classes those courses definitely influenced what my perspectives more than uh anything than the others um so i would say if anything if you're going to write about like cultural commentary i would say probably look at doing like a media studies degree academic writing is very specific to academia and i've actually found that i had i had a kind of 
time like working in marketing where I was very focused on copywriting and learning commercial writing has been far more useful to me as a freelancer than anything I did in like the postgrad courses I dropped out of without getting any kind of qualification from them. So yeah, you can learn so much on your own without needing to kind of feel like you have to reach the bar academia sets, I think. It, it is nice to have a curated experience by people who are experts. And like, yes. I've, I've, my, my current skill set is from so many different sources. Like, it was invaluable to me to have a traditional in English education where I had those those theory courses with like feminist theory, Marxist theory, and like reading those foundational texts. But also I studied a little bit of journalism and I have a theater degree and I've I've done a lot of personal study into film studies and that kind of language. And like all, all of that has kind of come together and in, in been honed through having a blog for almost five years where just some of those early pieces are so embarrassing. <laughs> but... <laughs> No, I, I know what you mean. I think I think a lot of the um, the Japanese literature and culture courses I took in undergrad have served me um, more in this particular field than the than the stuff I did in my master's. Like I think that that sort of broad study that you get for a bachelor's um, can be super useful if you're going into media studies, just because again you do get that sort of range of opinions and thoughts and like how to how to media criticism and uh, yeah, so. I do agree with that. And I just want to kind of round up by saying that we do actually invite pitches from anyone, whether you've written before, whether you have kind of experience in this area, whether your only background is academic, whether you don't have an academic background, we accept Although pitches. please don't from... write it like an academic paper, yeah. please. We'll have <laughs> please to break do. you of it. This is something we encounter is we have writers who've only ever written academically and it takes a little bit of time for them to kind of shift into a more uh, informal approach. I, ultimately, we are looking to offer analysis, but in an accessible way. So being accessible in our language is important to us as being accessible in any other mm -hmm. way. Um, so if you feel like you'd like to write in that way, then you know, get yeah, in touch. And We'd even if you're not a you. good writer and you feel like you're not good enough to write for us, <laughs> listen, most people are bad writers. It's okay. This includes us. This includes us. Like we, I mean, first drafts, very few people get a good first draft. So the kind of skill that you hone is the skill of kind of editing yourself. And we're happy to help edit you in that kind of early stage so that you learn what to look for and you learn how to refine your own writing. And we've had a few writers where that's been particularly successful. And now then they submit us a draft. It's so much closer to kind of the, the version that we end up putting up than when we first started that's working true. with them. It's really awesome to see that too. It's always really satisfying when someone I've worked yeah. with a lot has really Very. grown as a writer. Right. Very That's important. probably the biggest industry secret is that every all writers are actually bad at writing. <laughs> every single one. There's not a single good writer in this entire world. Yeah, the world. greatest. Uh, everyone needs an editor. Yeah. Editors need editors. Mm -hmm. uh, Nate and I are both editors, and we send our articles to each other to edit them, and both of us are really bad at writing despite being good editors. <laughs> it's it's pretty unusual. <laughs> like, they'll point out stuff that I've pointed out about their articles but didn't see in my own articles. You really need somebody else to look at your work and, like, help you kind of... Um, crystallize your ideas, I guess, and get rid of a lot of stuff that maybe kind of sounded like it was important but is unnecessary to the points you were trying to make. If you think your writing's bad, that just means that you're just like everyone else on this planet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and honestly, I'm... the best skill you can learn is reading a site that you're going that that you want to work for and molding your article to be what their style is so that you have minimal edits coming back because then they will want to work oh with my you God, again. Please. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. don't make your pitches sound like they're going to be 
like their homework that you were assigned in the eighth grade. <laughs> okay, we're moving on now to some kind of more quick fire questions. We'll get through as many of these as we can. So, first of all, we're looking at 2018 now. In your opinion, what was the most underrated anime of the year? Classicaloid. Dennis with glasses. Whoa, okay. Classicaloid, <laughs> next. Are we talking about critically <laughs> underrated or underwatched? I think you're overcomplicating this. <laughs> like, what's your first response to what the most underrated Not anime enough. of Classicaloid, <laughs> next. Not enough people watch Planet With. Um, everyone needs to watch Planet With. It's so good. It was it was pretty highly rated as far as like the folks who did watch it, but it yeah it was I would say not a lot of people watched it. Right? Uh, I don't know. I've 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 had to drop so many seasons this year. That's fine. Like, Maybe you can take some recommendations. Yeah, of that, classic I, Lloyd and Planet with apparently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just like I've play, place further is clearly not underrated. Like everybody watched it. Uh, no, yeah. it, it got on a list. Well, you know, you're right. It, it, Not everybody watched it. Everybody should watch it. But it did get on. It, it broke into the normal sphere, if if you will. Yeah, it was, uh, oh my god, New York Times. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was, yeah, very, it was like Planet With, very critically rated. It was, I think it was watched more than Planet With, but it was definitely not watched as much as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. So is that your answer? I wanted it to be Double Decker. <laughs> I wanted it to be Double Decker so bad, but it's not. It's not, and I still am in a state of woe Just about it. You're grieving for what Planet, for what <laughs> Double Decker should have been. Me too. <laughs> Me too, Ryan. Peter, what was, what was your answer? Most underrated anime of the year? Uh, I actually wrote an article that has six of these, but if I had to choose one, um, <laughs> it's on Crunchyroll.com. Um, <laughs> I think... If I'm just talking about how good it was versus what people said about it, if anything, I would have to say, like, the biggest discrepancy is Caligula, because I thought that anime actually had some cool stuff in it. It was written by the guy who did the first three Persona games, basically invented Persona, and that's, like, his new... The first three. Oh, what? So, one and the two part two. So, uh, and it's, like, his new persona-esque project i thought it was like i mean i wouldn't i won't say it's like really good uh but it had a lot of interesting ideas in it and literally nobody watched this show i could not find one person to talk about it with it was very sad so like just raw amount of quality versus like interest i think caligula cannot be beat so if you're listening to this and you did watch caligula Caligula, and you also want someone to talk to you about it peter would like to (laughs) please please talk to me he's lonely on Twitter, please talk to him. He needs this. I want your thoughts on uh, Vocaloid Run alternate realities. That's a bonus question, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, Adsafixer asks, what are some adult characters you liked, especially, but not limited to, those from anime with a main cast made mostly Kotetsu. out of teens? Kotetsu Kaburagi. From, from Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> Tiger and Bunny. Is it? From Does Double Decker, count right? because that entire series is made to be like a a comforting fantasy for that specific older audience, where he is the dad to everybody. I think it counts. It's just adult characters he liked in twenty eighteen. Oh, anime. is it? Oh, no. well, twenty eighteen anime. It didn't specify twenty eighteen anime. It's, I'm I'm okay. specifying because oh, it's well, 
What are some you liked? I'm taking to mean this year. Yeah, please, it's too. No, it's too much. If it's my entire career watching anime, I almost prefer it be limited to 2018. Please. Let's narrow it down to this year. anime. Um, I liked. I liked the. I don't remember names, but the adult women in Place Further Than the Universe were really good. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, that was my. And then the drunk teacher in Laid Back Camp is also excellent. Yes. <laughs> also, the older sister. Oh no! I mean, she's going to she's college, all right. right? Yeah. I like the older sister, man. She no, I I like her, but her first scene is like kind of mean, and it sort of set a bad taste in my mouth. The rest of the time, she's great, but. Okay. I don't have a current answer, but we've been rewatching Azumanga Daio, and I've just been soaking in how very good Miss Yukari is. <laughs> Miss Yukari, yeah, she's she's a favorite. The teacher in Bloom into You is also really good. Um, I really like the characters in Dragon Pilot. There we go. Now I have a 2018 series. Even <laughs> a very, very willingly given, I can see. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> Kirill is also good, even if Double Decker turned out to be a trash fire. But he's really good, you guys. He's good and I love him. So moving, moving out of just 2018, um, what is that one show you were never supposed to like? Asks Grey Lurker. So not a problematic favorite, something that just came out of nowhere and hooked you when it really shouldn't have. The, oh, I would never watch a show about something, like football, card games, golf, whatever. But then I saw this and it blew me away. So which show is uh, that? It's absolutely Zombieland Saga. Yeah, Zombieland oh. Saga. In a similar vein to Zombieland Saga, uh, School Life. Uh, yeah. I don't do moe generally and I don't do zombies generally, but School Live really worked for me. The negative times the negative equal to positive. I had the same reaction to it, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think I had an answer, but I think it's Zombieland Saga, actually. Yeah, because I, I, like, if there's one genre, I, I, there's, like, no genres I don't watch except idol anime. I just can't connect with it. And I think this got me to watch an idol anime. I didn't think I had an answer. Thank you, Bri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You didn't watch Review Starlight, which is totally an idol anime. I mean, Takarazuka. it's a theater anime. It's Takarazuka. Yeah, well, that's true. But, like, structurally, it, it has a I lot of... I can also say it is marketed like an idol anime. If you go to Akihabara, they're, like, selling their mobile game, and they're, like, showing all the different, like, gotchas for the girls and stuff like that. It's definitely... Everything about it is idol, except the performances except, are theater. Except the actual show. <laughs> Um, I think My definitely own... oh, yeah, School Live, I, I agree with Caitlin on that one. And then the other one, uh, Chihaya Fudu. I, it's a hard one. For, like, I have a hard time pitching it to people because I'm like, it's about a traditional Japanese card game. Um, <laughs> but it, and it, I kind of, I kind of picked it up on a whim back when I first started streaming anime. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, this is wonderful. Um, and I'm very excited for season three. So this was also a good excuse for me to plug Chihaya Fudu and tell people to catch up in time for season three this spring. Yeah, please do. Cause it's amazing. I completely second that. Um, my answer is actually Pop Team Epic, <laughs> because I know, like, you all were like, Amelia, you're going to hate this one. <laughs> you're absolutely going to hate this one. We won't even ask you if you want to, like, join in the discussion Well, you don't it. like weird and, anime, like, and what is Pop Team Epic? I don't epic, like but weird. weird. The literal I don't weirdest like anime. weird anime. Pure, undistilled surreal surreality, like, yeah. I don't like anime that doesn't have kind of a linear story to it. I don't like anime that kind of has like non sequiturs thrown in like I don't like that but I loved Pop Team Epic and I have no idea why I still don't know why it's just a mystery but it completely I watched it every week it was it was kind of my palate cleanser compared to other anime that was being on at the time yeah loved it no idea why 
Okay, we have to start wrapping this up. So one more question from the um, from the kind of quick fire part. If you could give any one manga a quality adaptation, which would you choose? And Lauren, who's Wonderweeb91, has asked this. Red River. Okay. Red River. It's a shoujo. It's a nineties shoujo isekai manga about a teenage girl who is pulled into uh, Anatol- the Anatolian Empire around the time where they are the Ottoman they are warring with ancient Egypt, like the time of Ramses the second. Um, and she is pulled there to be a human sacrifice by the witch queen. But then she ends up falling in love with the prince, with the crown prince. So, um, and it is a problematic faith, but I think a modern anime treatment of it would be so cool. Uh, Pet Shop of Horrors. I've gushed about that series already over on uh, our manga variety hour. The, the Monster Mash one, and I love it so fucking much, but it's it's beautiful and gothic and real gay and it a modern anime budget from, like, MAPPA could make it look so pretty and it would be beautiful and for a second I wanted to say Eroica but then I remembered the Banana Fish anime and realized perhaps that should just stay a manga. Anyone else? That's a hard question. I guess I you would say... a ton of manga that doesn't have adaptations. I do. Um... Right now, if I like it, we're saying quality, right? So it's gonna be good. A quality okay, adaptation. Then I'm probably gonna have to go with what is now my current obsession, Innocent and Innocent Rouge, um, because that deserves an anime adaptation. But the art quality is so fantastic that if it doesn't have a huge budget, it's going to look very bad compared to the manga. It's um, a really like dark, almost berserk esque, beautifully drawn. Um, kind of picture of the family, the Sanson family, the executioners of France, uh, up uh, before, during, and after the French Revolution. That sounds nice. cool. See? Yeah, I'm going to go with the answer I'm, I'm constantly giving to this um, on the Twitter when this question comes up. Um, Pandora Hearts, my, my fantasy trash baby. It got a 26-episode adaptation, uh, what, like, God, maybe 10 years ago at this point. We're probably getting close to 10 years. Um, it was unfinished. The ending is a big hot mess, and it's on a shoestring budget. Um, I would love to see Bones get a hold of it and just just go to town <laughs> on that Jun Mochizuki art and all those all those all those messy feelings. And it's yeah, it's my it's one of my like it's a it, like Caitlin says, kind of a problematic fave. But I think that I think that given the right creative team, it could be a really really engaging uh, like fantasy epic series for folks. So. That's mine. <laughs> All right, and I have one more. <laughs> one more. Uh, the Demon Prince of Momochi House. Pretty shojo. Pretty pretty shojo fantasy. Isn't that two though? That's cheating. <laughs> That's. Oh no! Everyone's gonna. The want question to. Okay, did say any one and... manga, so Caitlin, you have to choose between the two of them. Oh, it's two <laughs> Red River. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. We'll send that wish to the anime fairy. Anime Santa with the holidays coming. <laughs> I think yeah, Natasha Santa. has magic powers, so we'll just send these to Natasha. <laughs> oh yeah, let's just make it happen. She will somehow um, doom it along my... the way, but it will happen. Yeah, all your worships <laughs> will be realized, but they, they'll be made. Right. <laughs> I think my answer is uh, 20th Century Boys, which oh. would be such a hard one to adapt. Yeah. But there are some live-action films that don't really 
kind of capture what makes 20th century boys incredible it's urasawa naoki who's a highly respected mangaka he's had his adaptation monster uh, the anime for that was quite popular um 20th century boys is a really complicated story it starts with like threads of storylines in about three to five different timelines and then it slowly weaves them all together and it's it's absolutely fantastic as a manga but I can't really recommend the live action films and every time it comes up I'm like okay watch them after you've read the manga but the manga's like 30 volumes or something so that's a it's a bit of an ask it's a bit too much of a an investment to ask of people but it's such a great story I'd love to be able to share it with more people and give them that experience of not knowing kind of where it's going uh, that I had when I read the, the manga kind of volume by volume as it was coming out so yeah big big fan of that and I'd love to see a quality adaptation that really does the story justice which kind of includes clearing up some of the issues I had with like the last quarter of the manga series itself because I think that's part of the job of a good adaptation is to kind of clear up the things that were sort of an issue first time around. That would have been a perfect Satoshi Kon project, I think, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it needs to be quite long, unfortunately. Yeah. And Okay, final question um, is from Blue Socket saying, I'd love to hear about the process of or plans for producing ethically sourced merch. What does that look like and what were or are some challenges or surprises? So I'm going to take this one because you guys haven't been involved in these discussions yet very much. Um, but basically for crowdfunding, we are still crowdfunding, by the way, animefeminist.com slash crowdfunding, and it will end on December 29th. So if you'd like to support us, please head over there and see what perks we're offering. Uh, for our crowdfunding, we have put together our very first line of merchandise. And this is like T-shirts, tote bags, stickers, things like that. And some of the surprises for me was actually how affordable and easy it is to produce products. Now I understand why everyone makes merch because it's really simple. Um, in terms of like making sure it's ethical, there are like companies that just produce merchandise. That's what they do. So they have kind of the, the blank shirt or bag or whatever. So as long as you can kind of verify that what they're giving you wasn't made in a sweatshop, which they kind of proudly proclaim. So hopefully that's accurate. Um, you're pretty much good to go. So as long as you kind of treat your artists well, which we did, we approached a member of our community and just said, how much uh, would you quote for this amount of work? She gave us a number and I said, great, that'll do. And going to pay her that. So it's very, very simple. Um, and that's, that's kind of the end of it for merchandise. However, from this point, I actually want to open a shop on the site and make it a much bigger project where it's not just merchandise, it's actually just products. So rather than having something with, say, the Anifem logo on it, it's just something that an anime fan would buy, whether it's made by Anime Feminist or not. So at the moment, we've got our community saying we want to display the fact that we support you and that we're a member of this community so that we can recognize each other at cons. And that is absolutely something I'm really happy to support and enable but I want to make something that's bigger than that so there are a lot of kind of challenges ahead there I'd really like to make products that are more accessible I'd really like to make products that are not as easy to find on other anime shops at the moment um, I'd like to find a way to use a shop as a platform to support independent creators which is what we've done with Anifem to date so that's nothing new but it's kind of supporting artists and makers instead of just writers. 
but also supporting writers. So I've got some more detailed ideas on this, but I mean, the biggest challenge is just that I've never done this before. Um, so we're just figuring it out as we go. And the important thing is just to make sure we stick to our values um, and make sure that it's in line with everything we've done as content creators and as hosts and curators of content on our platform. If we can create some kind of kind of commercial space, like a shop that serves the same purpose for the same audience in a way that is just as praised and highly rated as our content platform currently is, I think we will have succeeded. So I'm just kind of going on instinct at the moment and hoping over time I sort of figure out exactly what that looks like. But our community is going to see this unravel every step of the way. Unravel? Oh, God. Wrong word. Unravel. (laughs) No. (laughs) What are words? Uh, Our community is going to see me reveal this kind of as we go because we're pretty transparent and we will keep you updated on what's happening. Um, So in kind of February, March 2019, that's when we'll be looking to launch the shop, assuming we meet our $25,000 goal, which we're about... $2,300 away from at the moment. Um, So animefeminist.com slash crowdfunding. Please go there and throw us some money so that you can buy Anafem merch that is not Anafem merch uh, and support accessibility, independent creators, fair pay, all that good stuff that we've been supporting all along. Do any of you guys have questions on this? By the way, we've got a couple minutes. Um, (laughs) No, I feel like we've talked a lot about it internally. Makes sense. I've tried to kind of loop you all in with what I'm doing, but it moves so fast. Like the crowdfunding has moved yeah. so fast. It's been, uh, that's been another <laughs> challenge is just kind of figuring out how to kind of get stuff done myself, but also make sure I'm communicating properly. And it's been a learning experience. I think it's fair to say. Do you know what type of, I guess I got two questions. What like type of merch you might want to move into or how a like partnering system with artists might work like how if you'd want them to reach out to us or like if there's some sort of way you'd want to find artists to collaborate with for any kind of like graphic stuff in the future oh yeah both i I would love to kind of have the option exactly as we do with content right now is if we see someone whose work we like we approach them and say hey would, would you want to pitch we'd love to host your work on the site Um, But also I want to set up a a system where people can kind of submit their work to us and say, I'd like to be part of the Anafem shop, please consider my products uh, for sale through your platform. And then it would be a case of we would take a cut from each sale uh, in return for exposing their work to a larger audience. And what the audience gets is kind of a more centralized place where they can find anime and manga products of a specific kind of aesthetic because this isn't just like dvds and manga you can find them anywhere and it certainly won't be like figures and such so it's going to be it's going to be more like it's hard to explain at the moment because i am still kind of working on the branding for this but it's going to be something that's a bit more for people who want to communicate the fact that they are anime and manga fans but in a way that's kind of subtle enough that it could fit into normie life without being too obvious Stealth merch, mm-hmm. as as Stealth we lovingly merch. call it. Stealth merch is a 31-year-old. Oh, that's such a good way to... Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. The... And me too, completely. Yeah, because I think, I think we have an older readership. Um, so I think stuff yes. that is does not just scream, this is the property that I am a fan of, is sort of more our speed. I'm, I know it is definitely yep. for the people writing it, because I think we have... 
Fry might be our only writer under 30. Yeah, um, really? At, uh, like staff. Yeah. Our only, not, yeah, not, our only not staff writer, writer overall. under 30. Oh, yeah. Um, so. I think we had contributors under 20. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that kind of a, that kind of aesthetic is quite hard to find in a lot of anime shops. Mm-hmm. You can find it from a ton of independent artists, but finding them is another challenge. So if we can kind of create a space where the artists can come to us and we can kind of invite suitable artists to kind of join us there, and obviously it means that we can kind of signal boost the work of marginalized and underrepresented creators. Like that would be just my dream. So that's kind of what I'm aiming for here and obviously making sure people get paid fairly like this model of taking a cut from sales in exchange for giving you a space on the platform is really common but usually the cut is very deep um, and the artists kind of sacrifice a lot to be in in places that are quite prestigious and I don't want it to work that way I want them to get like the vast majority of what they would get if they sold it on their own site basically mm-hmm. I imagine we will have to grapple with uh, copyright law as well Things that Etsy and Redbubble kind of don't worry about. We will, we will absolutely be keeping that in mind. But I have, like, it's it's basically something I've already been getting. Um, I've already been, what's the word? Kind of getting information on from trusted sources. And I've been kind of making sure we're in the clear. So I'm not going to do anything that would negatively impact uh, creators in Japan. I'm not going to do anything that will bring kind of <laughs> licenses breathing down our necks or anything. I'll make sure to protect the anime feminist community from like legal action affecting us or anything like that. We'll be okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> On that bright note. <laughs> we're not going to get arrested. We're not going to get sued. We're not, we're not going to get sued for copyright, but you know, there's, there's plenty of other opportunities. Um, on that bright note, <laughs> we are now I think just about to enter the holiday season so happy holidays to everybody um just a little bit of housekeeping to wrap up you can find more of our work on www.animefeminist.com you can find us on twitter at anime feminist you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash anime fem uh we've got a tumblr animefeminist.tumblr.com and we do of course have a patreon which is patreon.com slash anime feminist where like every dollar you send us really helps us continue our work um and right now the big thing we're promoting is our crowdfunding campaign which will end by december 29th so animefeminist.com slash crowdfunding that will take you to our indiegogo page please send us any money you can to get us to our goals before december 29th when this will shut down we will not continue it and it's our last chance to really get to where we need to be at the start of 2019 so animefeminist.com slash crowdfunding. Thank you very much for your support. And I hope everyone has a great end of year.